Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello and, er- and welcome everyone to the Future Tech Podcast. My name is Alan Thomas. I am joined by Professor Jim Hendler of the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Alan. Good to talk to you. Oh, well, can you tell us a little bit about your your uh, area of the institute? Sure. So, you know, RPI is a uh, is actually the oldest tech school in America. We're well known both for engineering education, but also for you know as a research school. And I currently lead an institute here called the Institute for Data Exploration and Applications, or IDEA. And our institute is really the data science and sort of AI and machine learning center for the campus to really help all of our faculty across the campus to better understand these new and emerging technologies. So how, how long has how long has that particular uh, division been around at the Institute? Is it relatively new? So I'm the founding director and we're just going into our fifth year uh, as an institute. And of course, RPI has been around a lot longer. We were actually founded in 1824. Um, and I've been here for about a decade. I was formerly the chair of the computer science department and then moved into heading this institute. And, and what is it that kind of spurred you to to head up that, that particular part of the institute? What how does what was the signal that told you we need to we need to have a category for this? Yeah, that's a great question. So um one of the things that the president of our institute, Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson, likes to talk about is what we call the new polytechnic. So early on polytechnic and in some countries, France, et cetera, polytechnic is a 
strong word for a, for a university. But then over time, in many places, it, it somehow became sort of the the school that prepared people for work, not the research center. But of course, we've never changed our name. Uh, but RPI is is really well known for innovation, creativity. Uh, our our slogan is "Why not change the world?" And really, you know, I came here from 20 years at another university because I realized that this campus, under this new polytechnic vision, was building interdisciplinary research. And one of the really important things about AI and machine learning is that they can be used for so many different tasks. So we didn't want to just have something. So, so we already have very strong people doing the theoretical work in those areas in our computer science and math and engineering departments. But what we didn't have is sort of a place where people could come to have better machines, to learn how to use some of the newest technologies, to have people who could help them with advanced analytics, to have companies able to come in and find some place that uh, could work across areas. So, for example, one of the local manufacturing, chip manufacturing companies came to us with a problem and because we could put together people who understood the uh, nanotechnology aspects of, of the engineering and the machine learning stuff, we were able to do some very unique work. And, you know, we've done that in biomedical, healthcare, uh, the humanities and arts. So we're really doing it across the whole campus. Oh, so there's basically no, no, no pie that you guys haven't put your hand into at this point, I, I would say. <laughs> You, you could say it that way. I usually say it's our <laughs> tentacles reach out to everything, but but really, seriously, the um, <clears throat> this whole new what used to be called big data has moved to sort of data science analytics, uh, starts to bring in machine learning and artificial intelligence. All of those things have really gone through rapid growth in capability over the past few years, and Rensselaer realized that you know a leading research university of the future would need to have not just a set of data scientists in a department somewhere, but really people working across the campus. Um, and so we've really been set out on a very ambitious plan to not just get, create this institute, but also uh, put in place some equipment. We have some special visualization devices. We have a lot of uh, high-power computation, also uh, educational, uh, some pedagogical innovation. So we're doing some work in new ways of teaching in a project-oriented way, a lot of the data work for not only our grad students, but also our undergrads. And in fact, just recently we announced that uh, we're going to be the first university in the country to require that every single undergraduate must take uh, some data analytics courses as part of their graduation requirements, regardless of their major. So not just computer scientists or engineers, but everybody. Because again, we feel to be an educated um, member of the public five or 10 years from now, you will have to understand these technologies. So no matter, so no matter what type of position you're in, you're basically, you will be required to have some kind of data analytics baseline is what you're saying. Well, data analytics baseline or... Um, Again, some of the um, <clears throat> some of the current policy issues that are facing people look at things like, um, you know, what should be the laws surrounding autonomous vehicles? 
well, if you don't understand what are the limitations of that technology, what, what, can, what can AI do well, what can AI do poorly, you're making those decisions somewhat in a vacuum. Uh, we're going to see big changes in what people are doing as their jobs. Uh, we'll see many people put out of work by these technologies, but new jobs created by these technologies. And it's going to be very hard to predict exactly where everything will happen. But what we do know is that the people who will be successful in that new economy are the people who understand these emerging technologies. And we think that the underlying science of much of that is this data and data analytics. So we're trying to really now infuse it throughout our whole campus in literally everything we do. And so as the technology changes, it would seem that the, the, the so the Institute must have a pretty fast mechanism for, for kind of reacting to the changes in technology then in order to keep up with what's going on out there, right? Like it must not be a typical university. Sure. Well, so... Um, yeah, I mean, many universities are grappling with how to do this, and in many schools, a data science center of some kind has been set up. In setting up our institute, rather than creating a separate building or pulling people aside, we put a couple special facilities in, but we're actually affiliated with faculty across the entire campus. And, you know, we provide... Um, training. So we do short courses and long courses on campus. We work with companies to pair with them so they help us see some real data problems. We have our undergraduates and grad students work on those problems, and then they often end up working at those companies. So, you know, it's really giving us a foothold in this emerging field. It's letting us create new kinds of educational opportunities. But also, you know, in 10 or 15 years, this will be a core technology. So nowadays at most universities, anybody graduating has to have taken some biology because biology was seen in the late 90s as clearly one of the emerging future technologies you would have to understand as an educated person. And we feel now this data technology, and especially now with the AI components of it coming along, really are that same thing looking ahead 10 or 20 years. Do you ever find that, do you ever find other institutions uh, wanting to approach you to kind of model what it is that you guys are doing or, or at least create their own version of it so they can at least try to keep up? Sure. There's, um, you know, again, there's a lot of different universities working on this in different ways. We're members of various groups that meet together. Uh, several of our faculty, including myself, have been on, you know, curriculum committees for some of the bigger organizations trying to figure out what a trained uh, data scientist is. The National Science Foundation, which funds research in America, has set up what they call some uh, big data hub, innovation hubs. The one for the Northeast is located at Columbia University, and I'm working with them on both the you know, education side and helping to, as an executive um, council member of that group. So again, we have many things going on. So I think our university is unique in how much we're responding to this being a cross-cutting interdisciplinarily, necessarily interdisciplinary area, but we're certainly not unique in, in being the only school that's realizing the importance of these emerging technologies. Now, in forming this particular department, what, what were some of the difficulties that you encountered early on when forming the department? Sure. Again, uh, you know, it's not a, so in fact, one of the first difficulties was it's not a department. So we're not trying to be a separate. So typically at a university, a department, computer science, math, physics, electrical engineering has that specialty. 
And we were set up really to look at being a cross-cut across these areas. So, so the first was, given that we don't have like a building where we can offer faculty offices or pull people together, how do we achieve, what kind of activities can help us achieve the critical mass? How can we interact with faculty across the campus? And a lot of what we've been doing is working with faculty who are saying, you know, we're going after a very large project or a big grant or a you know, working with a company on some large problem. And usually there's a component of that that has data analytics. So we help them either by having some of our faculty, some of the other, you know, we can say this member of the computer science faculty would be a great person to you to talk to to help you solve that problem in healthcare or molecular biology. Uh, we have a very large center called Health Enablement by Health Empowerment by Analytics, Learning, and Semantics, or HEALS, which is a joint IBM Rensselaer project. Uh, you know, we have many faculty and grad students working there along with the IBM people. So again, it, it's this notion of crossing these traditional university barriers and really creating something that can do interdisciplinary work. And, you know, I'd say at most universities, that would have been a significant struggle. One of the reasons I came to Rensselaer is it has a history of doing that. And under President Jackson has really been stressing the need for this interdisciplinary new polytechnic approach. And uh, IDEA is, our institute is really the, you know, one of the leading things to try to help make that happen. And there are several other such things happening on campus and other key emerging areas. And can you tell us a little bit more detail about this HEAL project that you mentioned? Sure. HEALS is really looking at uh, how we, dec how we um, take this AI and machine learning technology that's becoming so powerful now and look at it in the healthcare area. Now, there's significant amount of investment looking at it for uh, cancer, for precision medicine, things like that. But less money and less effort has gone into really the the issues of personal health. Uh, a good example of this is if you have somebody who's a pre-diabetic. So they are not yet, they don't have diabetes, so they're not under medical treatment. But if they don't make lifestyle changes, they're at a high risk of developing the disease that will then really put them at, at risk. And so one of the questions we're looking at is, can we help people figure out what would be a good technique that they could use? So the general advice to lose weight or get more exercise may be very difficult for some people, uh, but there may be aspects of this they could do. There may be some simple food substitutions. If instead of eating this, you ate a little more of that, that would help you get down. Somebody who's trying to fo uh, follow a diet, but who says, you know, there's certain things on it I can't eat. What? Can I change those kind of things? Um, you know, I have trouble losing weight. Can you give me advice on other things I can try to do? Those sorts of things. So, so one of the things we're looking at is all of the literature, both technical and many of the chat groups on the web and things like that, saying, you know, can we help people find the right information for their own particular situation? And that's very different than <clears throat> a lot of the technology out there. So uh, right now, if two people, uh, you know, if you put in a blood sugar number, you'll see uh, all, everybody will get the same thing, which is a general set of advice that says, you know, if you're below this number, it's good. If you're in this between these numbers, it's sort of a warning track. And if you're above that number, it's very bad. That usually means you're a diabetic. But 
that's not actually true because somebody who is overweight, has a family history, is getting a little older, uh, a number sort of at the border of, of, of the yellow would be actually a pretty good number. Somebody who last year was at 110, who this year is at 105, you would want to say you're doing the right thing, even though 105 isn't a great number. So how do we track both the individualization, the personalization, et cetera, using these new technologies? We're also looking at, you know, how can we help clinicians who are trying to figure out how to treat patients who might not be responding to some particular medicine or something like that. So, you know, are there other treatment plans or there are other ways they can work? So it's a it's a very large project and we're doing the research side of it on campus jointly with um, IBM and then uh, some of the technologies we're developing together are moving into the IBM Health Suite, the, uh, what's called Watson Health, to really help promote some of these things and get them out into the real world. And, well, and so what would you say the, the roadmap for you guys looks like over the next 12 to 24 months? What are, the, like I guess, the top projects you'd be working on? Yeah, we have a... Um... We have a number of things that we think are important. Um, one of the things that's pretty exciting going on here, which is you know a bit geeky, is that um, to do advanced manufacturing in the new world where you have nanotechnology, where you have essentially advanced 3D printing way beyond what people can do at home now, uh, and other kinds of new manufacturing technologies. How do we understand, organize that information? And then how do we help work out what kind of processes might be best to solve some problem? Uh, how do we track when something is going on to see if it's going right or not? Those turn out to be some very interesting data problems meet manufacturing. So we have a, some large projects starting in that where we have a number of projects, including the Heels project, going on in the healthcare area. So we think that is a huge area. And most of the research funding in that area comes through biomedical or what you might call preclinical research. Um, what foods might have the most impact on diabetes, but they don't individualize it. They're not really the information that a doctor gets. And so our question is, could we really help the people who, whether it's an individual who's trying to avoid becoming sick or a doctor helping someone who is sick, find the right kind of information? So that's our healthcare work. And then, of course, we also are working on health analytics and some of the deeper research spaces in biomedical and life sciences. And um, the third thing we're very interested in is a lot of the work in, in machine learning and data analytics produces data sort of hypotheses, but a human has to look at it to figure out what to do about it. So we're very interested in how do we visualize the data, how do we bring sets of people together so they can collaboratively interact with the data. In a different project on campus, another joint project with IBM, we're actually looking at how you do that in a large immersive environment. So a bunch of people sitting around a table may be working on a problem with the, with the computer able to be putting up things that they might want to look at, helping them answer questions, helping to bring in some information they may have missed, things like that. So we're very interested in this whole issue of how can groups of people collaboratively solve these hard problems with the assistance of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning devices. So we're sort of working across the board in those areas, and there's many others um, where we have things. And just recently, um, we 
have heard we'll be getting some money from uh, uh, NASA that's that's looking at some of how we use some of these techniques in really understanding the history of the galaxy. Um, uh, how how did you know the Earth form and things like that? So it affects everything from the beginning of life to to now and how we actually understand more of that by a combination of several sets of sciences and using this learning technology to really try to integrate the information and the hypotheses that different people are doing. And that we also believe will lead to some significant work in environmental and climate modeling. That's uh, another important area to society today. So we're really going after the global challenges of society using these uh, new technologies. And so in in terms of I guess any final thoughts or a big takeaway that you'd want our listeners to get from this interview? What what would it be? What what would be the big takeaways? Sure. The big takeaway is, you know, you're hearing a lot about artificial intelligence and it turns out making some of that work is this work in machine learning and what's called data science. But all of those things have limitations. And for the foreseeable future, what we're really looking at is humans and computers together being able to solve hard problems that right now neither one can solve alone. And so really getting people to understand these emerging technologies, these new tools and techniques, the impacts that those will have on society. I didn't even go in today to ethics and policy issues, but we, you know, those are also very important. And so we're trying to really make the students here and our research projects really look at at the cutting edge of how this new and important technology is really going to impact our lives. And and for those who want to find out more information about the Institute or your area of the Institute in general, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Well, so the website for uh, Rensselaer is rpi.edu, and our uh, institute is idea, I-D-E-A, dot rpi.edu, and uh, plenty of information starting there. All right. Well, thank you, for, Professor, for, for coming in, for coming on and, and giving us all this information. And, you know, we, we appreciate your time. My pleasure. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, 
but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.